Hello and welcome to the Learning to Mum podcast, a podcast dedicated to talking all things being a mum and all things being a female. The latter I feel much more qualified to talk about. I'm passionate about the honest accounts, the raw reality and all the highs and lows that come with motherhood. So welcome to this podcast hosted by me, Kelly Beaumont. I'm so grateful to have you listening to me today. Enjoy. Hi everyone and welcome to the Learning to Mum podcast. This week I was due to be talking to a lovely lady called Beck on the topic of postnatal depression. However, due to unforeseen circumstances, this has been postponed until next week's episode. With that in mind, I wanted to step back and look at the topic of postnatal depression in terms of the kind of facts and figures before going into somebody's personal experience. I felt that it would be a good opportunity to raise awareness on the topic of postnatal depression and equip people with a better understanding of how it can evolve, manifest, and how likely it is to impact you or somebody you may know. Many of you will be aware if you've listened to this podcast for some time, or particularly from the start, that the catalyst for starting it was as a result of my mental well-being in the early kind of days, weeks and few months of birth with Ophelia. I think for me it was such a kind of juxtaposed to my kind of typical more positive state of mind that I was kind of sideswiped by how I felt and I think that I took that experience really personally because I felt that I couldn't control how I was feeling and for the first time in my life I felt that I didn't have the capacity or the capability to be able to manage it in an effective way and that for me was a really scary time and I'm sure for many people who suffer from challenges around well-being it too can be a very scary time. And I think one of the best things that we can continue to do is talk about the topic in in the sense of it being, you know, a safe environment for people to disclose how they're feeling and when they're seeing kind of changes in themselves. And I think the more that we continue to talk, talk about the topic and raise awareness, the more likely we are to give people the safety and security to be honest about what's going on for them. I think a starting point for absolute context is to address the topic of baby blues. Looking back on my experience, I think that I had a heightened experience of baby blues. I don't think that it manifested into postnatal depression. But I do think that that was partly down to the opportunities that I had to be really honest with both my mum and my husband about how I was feeling. And I didn't try to, um, in inverted commas, be a hero and, and carry this baggage by myself. I knew that if I didn't talk about it, it would have exacerbated what was happening for me and potentially become far far more complex and harder to overcome. So I've spoken about this in a previous episode, but I want to reiterate it 
to ensure that there's kind of consistency in in messaging baby blues affects eight in ten new mums which is a <laughs> dramatically high number and because of that I think new mums should feel empowered to answer the questions on the surveys that health visitors come and ask by being really honest if they're feeling down or they're feeling unmotivated or whatever other questions come up because in reality the data will only continue to represent what is truly happening if we all take the initiative to be really honest. I know that that is far easier said than done. I myself struggled with answering those questions honestly because I didn't feel like I was experiencing something that was normal. I was fearful of where I was heading. I was fearful that I would be perceived as failing. And I was fearful that I might be put on a blacklist or, I don't know, something that would potentially make the situation far worse for me to handle. But these statistics will, as I mentioned, only continue to represent reality if we give that information to practitioners, to those that are conducting the research. And my understanding is the only way that that research can be validated is through how we define how we're feeling and the information that we share. You know, it's down to us as mums, it's down to other people out there who are the main caregivers to be really authentic about what's going on for them and it's partly the reason that I want to talk about it more and more on this podcast because I want people who are listening to this to share it wider and make people feel comfortable about about talking about the topic ultimately. So yes baby blues affects eight in ten new mums. The length of time that it lasts can completely vary For some, it can pass in the kind of first few days and for others, it can last for a longer period of time. The typical symptoms of baby blues are things such as crying for seemingly no reason, feeling anxious, feeling uneasy, having a kind of sense of fear, um, the incapability to kind of control emotions and potential insomnia as well. Ultimately, the reason that baby blues happens is down to hormonal changes. There's chemical kind of imbalances happening in the body, um, changes in estrogen levels, changes in testosterone levels and progesterone, much like you will see in a menstrual cycle. Um, But that paired with other things that are happening, such as establishing a new routine with a tiny little human that doesn't really want routine, can ultimately be a bit of a, a bit of a nasty concoction in terms of marrying those two elements together, amongst other things that a new mum may be experiencing. Typically, baby blues will kind of disappear once the health and mood of mum is restored. When this doesn't happen, and mums or main caregivers experience behavioural changes within themselves, this is where you may see the onset of postnatal depression. 
And I think that's where we need to be really clear in making sure that there is a defining, not moment, because I don't think it's that simple, but there is a time where we recognise that actually this might not be baby blues, this might be manifesting into postnatal depression. And I suppose one of the questions would be kind of how do you identify that? And I think the truth is that it's it's really difficult to be absolutely clear when it's evolving into something else. But timelines are usually a good indication of this. As I mentioned, typically baby blues kind of dissipates as and when mum starts to feel a little bit more in control. Pretty much every new mum that I've spoken to, um, I've shared my story in terms of really struggling in those early days, not feeling an immediate connection with Ophelia, so on and so forth. And I have not met a mum yet who has not said, oh my goodness, I felt exactly the same. Thank you so much for, for being honest. And we've had a conversation and we've reassured each other that we're through the other side, we feel really good and we wish that there was more out there in terms of talking about it. So it, it's kind of that piece that's saying, yeah, I'm one of the mums who felt like that for the first few weeks, but then things started when baby could smile at me and when sleep started to improve a little bit and when they felt more part of me as opposed to just a, a little new human that's when baby blues started to ease and I could see kind of light lights at the end of the tunnel if those things aren't coming over time that's when there is a chance that it has kind of evolved into postnatal depression so I think that that's the first thing to categorize the differences between baby blues and PND and Many, many women will experience baby blues, eight out of 10, whereas for postnatal depression, that number changes to 10 to 15 uh, women or new mums out of every 100. So yeah, that, that number decreases from 80% down to 10 to 15%. And that's the stark contrast. So let's go into a little bit more about the topic of postnatal depression. So I think a sensible place to start would be what actually is postnatal depression so that we're all very clear on kind of what we're talking about or what I'm talking about in sharing this with you. When I experienced baby blues came through the other side and was kind of further down the line, I made the decision to study postnatal depression at diploma level and all of the information kind of facts that I'll be sharing will be pulled from that study just so that I'm giving kind of up-to-date information so this was true as of ooh, late 2020 so in this depression it talks about depression consisting of strong and prolonged feelings of dejection and despondency Postnatal depression, also known as postpartum depression, is a form of depression that can befall women once they have delivered a baby. In some cases, expecting mothers encounter severe depression, but this is separate from postnatal depression, as the term postnatal strictly denotes the period after birth. And as I've spoken about, the um, statistics have kind of told us that between 10 and 15 women in every 100 new mums suffer from personal depression. And it goes on to kind of claim that therefore this type of depression is a particularly common one. 
And it then goes on to telling us that there's also kind of chances of these figures being higher. As many women out there who suffer from this depression are unaccounted for in the studies. Now, the research doesn't go on to kind of stipulate why that is. But if we kind of go back to what I was saying in terms of baby blues, I'm not sure how many people feel comfortable in talking about the topic. So there'll be many people who refrain from airing what they're experiencing and therefore go undiagnosed. And there may be people questioning whether or not they're actually, in inverted commas, uh, I can't even speak, (laughs) inverted commas, um, suffering from postnatal depression. Some women might not be able to identify that they're actually going through it at the time. So I think this is where awareness is so important, not only for those individuals who may be experiencing it, but for those people who are around caregivers with newborn babies. So I think that there's a duty of responsibility on everybody. And that's why I'm so keen to kind of keep talking about this topic. And I really hope that this podcast episode particularly reaches more people than just um, new or potential mums, caregivers, however whoever may be listening to it. So um, the symptoms of postnatal depression and ordinary depression are more or less the same. So um, they both include feelings of um, a loss of interest in usually joyous activities and you know other other symptoms but the the major characteristic that is different between normal depression and postnatal depression and the thing that distinct distinguishes it is that postnatal depression normally occurs within the first three months after the baby is delivered so it and, and and it goes on to talk about how that can it can happen outside of that window, it can happen outside of that time frame, but and this is the important thing to know, anything beyond a year, the problem would be the, the diagnosis would then be categorized normally as regular depression. So I think that timing piece is something to be really mindful of and why it's okay, so moving on from kind of how postnatal depression is defined and the types of timeframes that are associated to it. The next thing that I'm going to kind of touch on is the factors that may give rise to postnatal depression. And there are five key categories that I'm going to talk through. The first one is personal history. So any women who have experienced postnatal depression before are likely to experience it again. So there are UK statistics out there that reinforce that postnatal depression reoccurs in individuals who have suffered from it previously. And again, this is where raising awareness becomes so, so important because you might not be able to put preventative measures in first, but you can put support plans in place for if those things do come to fruition. So if you are a partner or if you're, you know, somebody who is really close to mum and you kind of knew what the experience looked like last time, what were the things that improved mental wellbeing and how can you have an open dialogue about it? And and again, I think that that's why it's so, so important for, for mums to be able to, talk about it openly as and when it's happening because if we can get it right the first time around it does make future experiences potentially more manageable so that's 
kind of the first category. The second one is the birth itself. So in cases where the birthing experience perhaps didn't go to plan or it wasn't smooth as expected, or even um, the birth of an unhealthy baby can all be contributing factors to postnatal depression. The statistics, again, from the UK recorded that those who suffer postnatal depression endured either a traumatic or premature childbirth. So again, I think raising awareness and shining a spotlight on these particular categories helps people to kind of think about, well, if those situations happened, what things maybe do we need to look out for on an even more kind of um, heightened basis because mum's had an even more traumatic time. So what could that potentially lead to? And it's not about a self-fulfilling prophecy. It's not about saying to a mum that this is going to happen to them because it doesn't, it's not always the case, nor is it beneficial to, um, keep asking if mum's okay, if she's telling you that she's okay. I think that there's a really fine balance to strike with this. And in this episode, I am going to give some considerations as to things you might want to do if you're, external looking into the mum and baby situation and you want to be able to support in a way that does support as opposed to I don't know adds further pressure because I think we always feel that we need to act tentatively around these types of situations and cautiously and I think that that's absolutely right but we shouldn't be too fearful that we don't you know instigate any form of intervention because that in itself can be more damaging. The next thing, and one that I'm not going to go too deep into because I I really, well, I don't have the medical background to talk about this and give it, you know, that the platform that it really deserves. This is about, as I keep reiterating, raising awareness. But one of the other things that can be a contributing factor is, is a biological factors. And I'm just going to read verbatim what it says here because I don't feel that I want to interpret any of this information because I just... Yeah, I just don't think that I'd give it justice. So it says here that even though the number is small, some women also suffer from postnatal depression because of physical deficiency deficiencies that arise due to complications in childbirth. This is because such deficiencies usually bring about mood swings and emotional changes within the mother. Also, dropping levels of hormones after childbirth may cause more discomfort for the mother, putting her at greater risk of postnatal depression. So I didn't want to not talk about this at all because it is one of the categories that is raised, but it's something that I just, other than what is on this page, there is a diagram that kind of explains it in more detail, but there's just a lot of different things going on, like a combination of biology, stress factors, genetics. So definitely worth doing a little bit more kind of reading on that if you think that it's something that may be impacting you or somebody that you may know. The next thing, and I think one that that is you know, a hugely common one, which is changes in lifestyle. Giving birth to a baby and then kind of taking care of it pretty much 24-7 for a lot of people can be a really kind of arduous task. And it really does put a lot of strain and effort on a new mum particularly. Certainly for myself, and I speak for a lot of the mothers as well that I talk to, even when you try and make it a kind of joint venture dependent on whether you're breastfeeding or dependent on if dad or partner has gone back to work whatever those things may be often it puts a lot of pressure on mum and obviously other things within that a lack of sleep um no time for yourself because everything is about this new baby 
So time that would have been spent being, I don't know, independent or doing things that that make you happy or make you feel relaxed, that's kind of all on pause and massively replaced by hours of caregiving. So it can be one of the triggers for postnatal depression as new mums go through this kind of immense lifestyle change once new baby comes into um, existence. And the last category that I'm going to touch on is about relationships and social interactions. So I think it's fair to say that when a new baby comes into the world, the mum and and dad, but particularly this is, you know, this is particularly talking about mums and I'm talking about mums specifically as, as part of this kind of awareness raising, her concern, her priority becomes taking care of that baby and these kind of changes in priorities can have huge impacts on relationships it can damage connections with friends and families and it can put you at a massive distance and make you feel that you're completely excluded for what else might be going on in life I said to Charles that I feel like we had you know the the kind of benefit of COVID, I, you know, there were some benefits of having a child in lockdown because it meant that you didn't get that FOMO of, of social interactions. You know, I can't imagine how exacerbated my feeling, feelings of um, feeling like my life had completely shifted and then seeing pictures of friends out on a night out and feeling like I had this huge burden, you know, whilst I, I can look at it now and feel like it, it definitely wasn't a burden at the time, I'm not sure I would have had that you know, ability to step back and look at it for what it truly was. So I do appreciate that coming out of, you know, being in lockdown and coronavirus, but out of that and in kind of, you know, normal terms, how would that feel for a new mum when she's the one, her body's completely changed, she's barely sleeping, whatever else, and then she goes on social media, which is a huge part of all of our lives and she sees people having fun seemingly no responsibilities you know the kind of pristine version of people's lives I think we need to be conscious of that really exacerbating the situation um so it can really kind of weaken bonds with partners we we see relationships break down after um we see kind of loved relationships break down uh family and friends because ultimately she has less time for them And I think sometimes, whilst not completely conscious of it, it can kind of a little bit be out of sight, out of mind. So I think there's a real opportunity here to think about, are you checking in on new mums? Even if it's just to say, you don't need to reply, just let you know I'm thinking about you. And I've mentioned this before in previous episodes, but I reiterate it again, because you cannot underestimate how beneficial it is to receive that message. And they might read the message and leave it in red on WhatsApp. And let me tell you, guess what? That's completely fine. Because if you're a mum yourself, you'll know exactly what they're going through. If you're not a mum or you haven't gone through this, please just know that it's a time where mum is allowed to shut off from the world. That doesn't mean she doesn't want to hear from you. So yeah, that that kind of feeling of losing touch with people can bring on postnatal depression. So those are the five categories that I wanted to touch on. And 
yeah, I think it's just really important to, again, think about, well, what does that mean for you? And whether you're the mum or whether you're somebody who is supporting the mum, what does those five categories, what do they mean to you? And is there any that you can have an influence over and support on? So let's shine the spotlight a little bit more on recognising postnatal depression and talk through the symptoms, emotional, physical and behavioural symptoms that one could look for in terms of identifying postnatal depression. So I'm going to kind of share a bit of a list on each of them, starting with emotional symptoms. So these are the types of things that people should be looking out for when it comes to identifying PND. So wanting to cry, but unable to do so, feeling worthless and having less self-esteem, feeling guilty, going through inconsistent moods, having a lack of interest in pretty much everything and developing a growing sense of negativity. Anxiety can also kind of factor into that as well. Some of the physical symptoms to be looking out for, so a decrease in libido, obvious changes in appetite, insomnia, and feeling exhausted all of the time. And then in terms of behavioural symptoms, so becoming an introvert, where that particularly wasn't your kind of style before, performing kind of like chores or none at all, you know, like extreme behaviours. So like really going at it and doing loads of stuff and being a bit manic in it versus not doing any of that kind of stuff and being completely detached from it. Uh, Procrastination, indecisiveness, not having the ability to control one's temper, um, potentially kind of discounting things that you perhaps once enjoyed, yelling, screaming and indifference even towards things that might be significant. Now, when I was doing my study and when I was reading through all of these things, I started to think, you know, it's really hard to kind of differentiate because I think a lot of these things, it's pretty normal to feel. But I think the way in which I have interpreted this information, it's feeling that on a kind of constant basis and feeling it for a prolonged period of time and feeling them kind of in like in abundance and not just kind of pick and mix in certain aspects. And I think that's the bit to try and hold on to because I was like reading through this and I was like, tick, tick, tick. And I went through all of those things, or not all of them, but most of those things. I mean, decreasing libido, hell yeah, like please do not come anywhere near me for the foreseeable. Um, You know, not doing any tasks, well, no, because I literally had a baby glued to me. But I think it's just kind of working through and thinking, are those moments and times, did they shift or is it ongoing? Is it a lot of these things? So yeah, I think that that's um, a good way to to think about it. Furthermore, over and above those symptoms, I think it's considering the types of thoughts that that you're having. So actually here, I'm just reading here, there's kind of different indications that you might be suffering from personal depression and some of the things that that it tells you to look out for in terms of your thoughts or the following. So I cannot cope um, with a family 
relationship world like this. I'm sick of being so exhausted all the time. The world is an unworthy place to bring my child into. Everything seems so hopeless and my life is totally over. There is nothing I can do to make things better. I fail to contribute any positivity towards anything, including my life. I just want to escape with my child or die. I could have been so much better off somewhere else. Oh, why did I choose to be here? I'm not respons- I'm not a responsible mother at all. I'm worried about things that I keep forgetting. How will I survive like this? So again, you know, there might be certain instances like here, and I'm speaking really candidly here. Um, which one was it that just stood out to me? Do, 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 do. There were there was a point when I had mastitis, Ophelia would not stop crying, did not want to be put down, where I thought everything seems so hopeless and my life is totally over. I remember sitting down with my mum and saying to her, what have I done? What have I done? Holding Ophelia, looking at her and feeling completely detached. But two days later, I felt completely different. And if somebody had said, do you feel like your life is totally over? I'd be like, oh God, no, absolutely not. And I knew that I wouldn't have, you know, done anything to act on those emotions, even in the moment. So I think just being conscious of whether they are constant feelings or whether they kind of chop and change dependent on if you've had a bit bit better sleep or you've vocalised how you're feeling with somebody. So thus far, I've covered off what PND is, how it differs from what's defined as baby blues and what is defined as depression more generally and I've spoken about the effects and how to kind of identify it and I just want to summarize that this particular section by saying if you're a mum that's going through that or you know anybody that's experiencing it the advice is to seek medical support I'm really conscious of not treading into kind of medical territory because I'm not equipped to do so. So I think the the right thing for me to say at this point is in terms of overcoming PND, the guidance that I um, obtained from doing my studying is to seek a practitioner that can point you in the direction of what you need, whether that be talking therapies or actual medication, which is often the um, catalyst for recovery. So there is plenty of different organisations out there that can help with sufferers of PND and I will put some information in the show notes of this particular episode on the types of organisations to reach out to if you are experiencing it or know somebody else that is doing. What I do want to cover in this episode though is some do's and don'ts that can help people avoid and prevent postnatal depression because there are ways in which we can positively encourage a good space of well-being and I think in the spirit of being an informative podcast and helping people in topics that can be slightly taboo giving this information to allow people to think about what they proactively do when they become a new mum and also if you're somebody who is supporting a new mum the types of things that you should be in turn encouraging. So let's start with some of the do's. The first thing is to relax. A lot of the time new mums forget to relax and have fun at any point by themselves and having kind of the capacity to think about your fitness and your health when you're in a position to do so or to have moments of enjoyment, whether that be kind of meeting 
friends or family, whether that's, I don't know, going shopping for some people, or maybe just being a little bit more grounded and sitting and being silent or reading a book, whatever it is, think about how you find time and capacity to relax. And I think that that will require intervention from people who are around you to support. In addition to that, the next thing is to take rest and sleep whenever you get the chance to do so, whatever time it is. I think a lot of people still have this expectation of themselves to do whatever they can do whilst baby is sleeping. Trust me, I know what it feels like to not be able to put baby down. So I'm not under any illusion that this is, you know, going to happen overnight. But when you get the opportunity to rest, do. (laughs) You know, nobody's going to remember you for keeping the house clean and tidy whilst you've got a brand new baby. In fact, people might question whether or not that's, you know, sustainable and maybe question if you are maybe trying to take on too much There should be no judgment, whatever decision that you make. If you're happy balancing those things, then that's your prerogative. But absolutely do not feel any guilt if you need to sleep at midday because baby is sleeping at midday or whatever that that looks like. Lean on people for help and support and ask them to feed baby for you. So much of my time with Ophelia felt like I was responsible for every aspect of her upbringing and it got to a point where me and Charles had a real kind of intense conversation it's not the first time I've spoken about this on the podcast where I felt like I was like the main carer for Ophelia despite it being 50 50 but actually when I reflect on that perhaps I was kind of leading that because I felt that I needed to be nailing every aspect of motherhood when actually in reality it's the norm (laughs) to ask for help and nobody expects anything of you other than to just keep baby alive (laughs) and that is a team effort so ask for help if you introduce formula milk that can be a help if you express your milk that can be a help breastfeeding can be a really kind of arduous task and whilst I know a lot of mothers use it as a bonding experience it can become a real challenge and for me that was a big part of my mental well-being after Ophelia's birth and I've again spoken openly that in hindsight I wish I'd stopped breastfeeding sooner than I did so that isn't me kind of encouraging anybody to do anything that they don't want to or putting pressure on anybody to stop breastfeeding but it's for me to say here's what happened for me and if you can identify that in yourself maybe just step back and think what is right for you to do so yes do take rest and do take sleep whenever you get the chance and ultimately sleep debt is a real issue concerning new mums and There's research out there that has proved that pregnant women who are deprived of sleep, especially in the early stages, are likely to get postnatal depression. You know, the lack of ferritin, which is ultimately an iron storage protein in the blood, can cause fatigue and can cause exhaustion. Therefore, making sure that you kind of stay on top of your ferritin and iron levels by getting them checked regularly through blood tests can can allow you to kind of stay in control of things. So, yeah, I, th- I guess that that's the tip to just be aware of. 
Um, try and make time for your partner. It can be really difficult to do that in the early stages. So if you don't have the capacity very early on, I'm with you. I was there. But I think recognising that maintaining a level of what your life was before can be really anchoring for some people and therefore holding on to your relationship outside of just being parents can be really fundamental. I know that many relationships break down when children arrive and it's not surprising to me but I think that there is accountability on both parts to have a really open dialogue about what's happening and even if it's just saying that you're struggling do that take them on the journey with you, try not to exclude them from it because that will only kind of make the problem more so. You know, if you don't feel like having sex with them yet, you know, that's absolutely cool. Again, I hear you, I was there, but I think having some level of physical interaction, whether that be a hug or even just eye contact and acknowledging each other, if you can't even manage a hug at this stage, but just letting each other know that you're still friends and you're still there for each other. Exercise. Um, Look, again, (laughs) I can speak from the heart. Um, In those very early days, I didn't want to exercise. And then I went from naught to 100 and decided to get a PT. And that wasn't the right decision either. But even light exercise can make all the difference. Um, Exercise is a significant antidepressant. It reduces anxiety because it releases endorphins. Many of you will know that endorphins are the happy hormone. Ultimately, that can add to your positive headspace. Exercise can help you sleep. It can make your immune system stronger. It boosts your energy. And also it can help get your body back into shape And that can be a contributing factor for many women when it comes to postnatal depression because they're looking at their body physically and thinking that there's been some changes. Having your body in shape for many people can heighten self-worth and can heighten self-confidence. And both of those things in turn can have a positive impact on um, mental well-being. So even if you can only manage a few leg raises or if you want to do stretches as opposed to actual exercises, we're not talking about hip workouts, but just movement, body movement, hold your baby and do it. You know, that's that's a good way to think about it. If your baby is being really sad, they like to be held, don't they? And, and shushed or jigged up and down. I found that worked a lot with Ophelia. So get up on your feet and have a shimmy around with baby, put on some music, you forget how much music makes you feel good, so make a playlist of songs that make you really happy and just do a bit of movement, even if that's going out for a walk, gosh the amount of walks that I did in those early days, Um, eat regularly and try and do it so that it's healthy food because your body needs nourishment. Fresh fruits, vegetables, juices, um, all of those things that don't require kind of some task of cooking a meal. Um, I talk about bulk freezing food before you give birth. It was one of the best decisions that I ever made because the temptation is to stick a pizza in the oven, but your body will thank you for the nutrients. And let me tell you, food is medicine. (laughs) I'm not suggesting that it's a replacement for antidepressants or anything, but it's a good preventative step and gut health and all that stuff makes bacteria happy and it 
ultimately can make such a difference for you in terms of your mental well-being. So definitely think about that. Um, ref- refined and processed foods or sugary products um, ultimately aren't, aren't great. You know, you, you need to think about what is actually going to add value and what are those kind of things. But yes, um, ultimately food is a big component and also I'm going to be that person that tells you to drink more water um that the best thing that you can do is if you're feeling tired it's not stick the kettle on and make a caffeinated drink caffeine can act as a further depressant you know it, it has those chemicals in much like alcohol they don't massively help pouring yourself a fresh glass of water even the um, meditative state of pouring yourself a glass of water can relax you but then filling your body with clean water can actually help get rid of exhaustion and therefore depression so do not underestimate what filling your bottle of water can do for you forming friendships with other people that have been through similar situations there's amazing apps out there that allow you to do that if you didn't do I don't know NCT and met mummies peanut I think is an app that you can do that on um there's different networks if anybody doesn't have contacts please please get in touch with me on instagram at kelly r beaumont I am more than happy to either be your point of contact or put you in contact with a mummy network that I proudly am part of but knowing that, you know, there's people going through the same, a problem shared is a problem halved, normalising your state of kind of well-being, whatever it is, it's amazing how that can just act as a, a huge positive contribution. Um, also, little things about keeping in contact with your GP and your health visitor. Ultimately, they are medically prepared to have conversations about PND so if you feel that it's heading that way speak to the professionals that can help and do recognize that you are not alone in whatever you're feeling so hold on to that thought and know that you're okay (laughs) you do have the permission to struggle (laughs) as a new mum because it's bloody tough it's bloody tough, but I'm here to tell you that it does get better and it gets better quicker if you have the right support in place. So let's talk about some of the um, don'ts because I think that equally is important. And the first one is to not be secretive about how you're feeling. Like I just said, then talking about this normalizes it and it allows people to get the help that they need. And it can be a huge weight lifted from your shoulders as a new mum. The um, obvious one is not to um, drink alcohol if you're really in that headspace because ultimately, whilst it can give you that initial hit, it doesn't always add in the long term. I can certainly say that I stayed clear of alcohol quite a lot in the early days because I knew it would just add to the problem. So really try and think about if alcohol is the right decision for you. Try not to burden yourself. (laughs) You're a normal person. You don't have superpowers as much as I would argue that mums are superhuman. Ultimately, there's a lot going on for you. So try and share the load where you can. Um, 
don't hesitate to take help from people. Obviously, that feeds into the do ask for help. I'm telling you, don't hesitate on asking for help. The flip of that. Um, don't discontinue taking antidepressants during pregnancy um, if you haven't spoken to a doctor about it. So again, I'm not going to go too much into this because it's a medical stance, but ultimately just be really clear on the medication that you're taking and do keep up with it if you are required to do so. Um, don't hide away from the sunshine. In winter, these things can be exacerbated because we're not getting the vit D. SAD is a very, very um, real condition and it can exacerbate PND. So try and get vit, vit D where you can and think about whether or not you should replace it with vitamins if you're not getting a good source of vitamin D. But ultimately and conclusively, the important thing to recognise and summarise this episode with is there are many stories of PND. The statistics speak for themselves in how many people go through this. And if not PND, how many people go through um, baby blues? And I think the important thing to take away is learning to mum is and continues to be the hardest job that I have ever done. And whilst every single day I love Ophelia that bit more, more than I ever knew that I could, I would be lying if I said that there aren't times where I want to run and hide and cry or where she is being fussy about something that I just don't understand what she's being fussy about. And my perfectionism tendencies creep in that I should know the answer to everything but I am just a human being and that isn't a fair expectation to put on myself and I'm telling you as listeners to this that it's not a fair expectation to put on you either if today you woke up and you had a great day I'm so happy for you if you woke up today and you had the juxtapose of that and it was a car crash from start to finish hey guess what I've had those days and tomorrow may be better. It may not be, but don't carry the burden of the day with you. If you want to reflect on something and you wish you'd done it differently, cool, try it the next time, but you can't change how today has gone. So try and reflect on that and be kinder to yourself. We are so for our children. Everything we do Every mum that I speak to is so conscientious about how they're bringing up their child, whether they're weaning them at the right time. Am I giving them enough milk? Should I be putting bubbles in the bath? When should I be changing their clothes? Are they happy enough? Are they getting enough stimuli from their toys and their surroundings? Should I join another baby class? Should I start swimming lessons? All these questions that go on in the nine to five of a mum's head and then beyond it's just insane and we need to start recognizing that sometimes that pressure can be really unhelpful so just in all those questions that you're asking yourself finish the sentence by saying am I being kind to myself and if the answer to that is yes then I salute you and if the answer to that is no then what could you do to just be a little bit easier on yourself because I guarantee whatever you're doing, you're trying your best. Thank you for listening to this week's episode. And I hope that it's been helpful in shining a spotlight on the topic of postnatal depression. Next week, 
all fingers and toes crossed, I will be joined by Beck to talk about the topic from a personal perspective with you all. Have a lovely week. Thanks again for listening and I'll speak to you all very soon. Bye. Thank you so much for listening to this episode of the Learning to Mum podcast. I hope you found it somewhat insightful or it gave you a little bit of insight into the reality of being a mum. You might be able to hear Ophelia in the background saying goodbye to If you want to hit subscribe, that would be really appreciated and it'll mean that as new episodes are launched, they'll drop straight into your preferred listening. So I'll see you all next week. Have a good one. Bye.